just coming up on six minutes past nine. You're very welcome to the gardening program on this. Uh, I almost said Easter Saturday. It's not. It's Holy Saturday morning. I have made that mistake before. Porek, good morning. Good morning, dear. Happy Easter. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter to, to you. all the listeners. Indeed. How are we with this fine? Uh, I'd like to say sunshiny morning. It is well, sunshiny, but cold. Well, as I was coming into Ballyhawns this morning, the sun was out certainly, uh, and yesterday evening was I thought quite a nice. Uh, we could see the couple of extra degrees of temperature. So hopefully over the weekend we're going to experiencing more of the seven degrees and eight degrees than of the threes and fours that yeah, we've been experiencing. Yeah, and maybe if we could make, make it ten, wouldn't it? be great. Ideal, because growth starts at six degrees. Okay. So that's the magic number. When you see the six degrees at soil temperature, that's that's when growth, grass will start to grow. And you've probably seen from your, for your own grass, and grass everywhere uh, has gone very yellow. It's gone very hungry looking, simply because the temperatures had just been so cold. So gro- growth has actually stopped yeah, in I the have, last I, ten days and I, two weeks. I definitely have noticed that because I, um, as part of my project, I had taken, I, I had cut the grass, you know, right. yeah, um, just fine. prior to the in just about two weeks ago or a little over two weeks ago which when this really cold weather kicked in I know we didn't get the snow and everything that they got kind of on the eastern side of the country um, but it has been pretty pretty challenging nonetheless Oh it has there's uh, been absolutely yeah, no growth And you can see that actually it hasn't really grown a whit since yeah. now I wasn't really complaining um, yeah, There you go <laughs> Because you go. I had a busy couple of weeks yeah. but at the same time um, yeah it's patchy now because we put on the old Osmo and it's yeah. it, it's it's dying back You can clearly you can see, see the moss Oh definitely yeah, yeah absolutely Well the Osmo will actually work faster as the temperature start to warm up right. so for listeners that have put the Osmo on in the last two or three weeks the moss should be discolouring but you know it, it is it's working slower than it normally would uh, if we had the normal kind of uh, March temperatures and the season is late we're, we're certainly three weeks late now that has its disadvantages but also its advantages hmm. as well because it means that uh, jobs like transplanting plants if you want to dig plants up and move them around the garden, if you want to plant new plants, say Beirut trees and shrubs mm. and hedging plants, haven't come into growth yet. So it's as, it's as if it's the early part of March. That's the sort of uh, where we're at in terms of the season. So in terms of pruning plants, your roses, your shrubs in general, pruning back apple trees, blackcurrants, gooseberries, all the fruiting plants uh, were coming into that time. Normally it would be actually too late. There'd be plenty of bud and plenty of leaf on apple trees. But because of the late season, they're still very dormant. So for listeners that haven't had the opportunity to do some pruning and tidying up around the garden, certainly the weather conditions are ideal for that at the moment. Or if you want to transplant plants, if you're looking at something and you want to move it somewhere else, then it's still dormant. It's still very safe to do that. Um, And, you know, as long as you're not leaving the plant exposed, digging it up and leaving it for a night or two uh, with the air air and the Uh, cold frost hit the roots, as long as you're lifting a plant and transplanting it during the day, then there's absolutely no problem whatsoever. And if anything, it's a great time and opportunity to do that. Cutting the lawns as well, certainly perfectly okay. People worry about the frost at night time, but you can go out there, get the lawns cut. You can put on treatments then like the moss controls, the Osmo moss removers, because even though the temperatures are cool, mm. it's ideal weather for getting them on, that the treatment will stay there to the weather temperatures start to increase right. and then start to kick in and work. And you've seen in your own lawn yes, how it's... Yeah, I can, you can actually, maybe because it is because it is cold and it's maybe a little slower working as a result, but but you, I, yeah, it looks like the moss is actually shrinking back. Shrinking so I, Yes, yeah, exactly. Well that, that's exactly what happens. Mm. It dies from the roots upwards. So, I mean, it's it's certainly, the I suppose the plus side is the season is late, which means you can still transplant 
government move plants, put in bare root plants, hedging plants and so on. It's very good planting weather as well, mm. uh, you know, irrespective of the, the frost. The frost we're getting over the next couple of nights is only penetrating maybe half an inch into the soil, an inch at most. So it's doing absolutely no right. damage to plants whatsoever. But because the soil has dried up, that easterly wind has been fantastic for drying things up, then soil conditions are actually very good for planting. So if you want to plant some trees and shrubs or new hedges or fruit or whatever it may be, then certainly the soil condition is very good. It's also a great time of year to dig up soil. So if you've got your raised beds or your vegetable patch and nothing done since last this time last year mm. or the summer of last year, dig it over this weekend because let the frost get at it at night time. It'll help to kill off any wheat seeds. It'll condition the soil as well. So in terms of digging and preparing the soil, this sort of weather is ideal. Let that easterly wind and frost penetrate in through the soil and it'll make very good work of breaking up the soil and make a nice tilt then for later on when you want to actually put out some of your vegetable plants. It's also the time of year for sowing from seed. Yes. And um, I would sow indoors at the moment. So, you know, if you've got a bright windowsill, maybe Mm -hmm. a little radiator underneath it or a greenhouse or tunnel, then start sowing early vegetables, cabbage, cauliflowers, Brussels sprouts. The plants are available at the moment, but the seed, it's a great time to actually... uh, sow some seed because you're getting enough temperature during the day to see the seeds germinating particularly if they're inside right. in a tunnel greenhouse yeah. um, conservatory or, or just on a warm windowsill is an ideal place to start sowing seed there's, so there's plenty to be done so I would use the opportunity to kind of get back at the lawn tidied up yeah. use this Easter really to prepare the, the garden um, and get it ready for the season so in terms of digging and moving plants planting new trees and shrubs getting rid of moss on the lawn, uh, cutting the lawn maybe for the first time, right. then certainly the, the weather conditions are superb for and that. And trim, trim the hedges a little bit and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, trim the hedges, you know, pruning in general, trim trim back the hedges certainly. Mm. Um, and indeed, it's it's actually a good time to start putting on a little bit of fertiliser as well, even though it's not going to kick in straight away. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we get the first bit of rainfall, there's none promised for the rest of the week, but <laughs> as soon as we do, that, that fertiliser will kick into growth as well. So certainly for tidying up, pruning back, uh, trimming up the dar- garden, digging over, planting new plants. What I would avoid is planting bedding plants. Okay or anything tender, anything, you know, tomatoes, say, in your glass house, you need to protect them at night time. Maybe keep them indoors in the house for another couple of, right. of, of uh, certainly for the rest of this week while the, the frost is still, still promised. Yeah. So anything tender, anything delicate, by all means, don't plant that out of doors this time of year because the frost will damage them. Uh, but certainly any of the hardier plants, or if you want to move plants or trim plants back, then you couldn't get better weather, to be quite honest. Lovely it's stuff. Ideal. Okay. And Easter, we've got a couple of days as well. We have the extra back, couple of days get to get back into the to, garden. Yeah, yeah. When does the, when does the clock go back tonight? Is it? Every clock's tonight. Yeah. Oh, we have. I completely yeah. forgot about that. To be there perfectly honest, then. So an, an extra. <laughs> so is that the extra bed? No, I think it's less. No, it's, it's spring forward, forward, doesn't it? <gasps> yeah. Okay, so, so we'll have to make sure that we're not bed. out late tonight. But longer evening. Yes. So yeah. A, a good time, dear, to really a good opportunity to get back in the garden, and certainly with the season being late, I would use the opportunity for things that people maybe have forgotten about: pruning back your roses, for example, pruning back your fruit trees. That type of job. This is ideal weather. Okay. Well, we've got. I think we might even have one or two yeah. uh, pruning roses questions to come. So we'll kick into these straight away now. So first of all, somebody the first text that came in good and early this morning um, somebody says that they missed the the time last year for changing the colour of their hardanges and can they do it now or later? Well if you ever miss any information either for that matter on the programme, you can always we do podcast it. So we do indeed. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you can, you can always listen back to it if we cover information uh, rather speedily it's or a, it's available you want to double check something. Yeah, On iTunes on and iTunes. also on the Midwest um, so website. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, in terms okay. of color, yeah, colouring hydrangeas, you know, look at your actually at the right time to, to put on the, the hydrangea colourant. Um, a little early yet for pruning them back. Again, with the cold weather, I would just hold back on hydrangeas, leave the old flowers on the plant at the moment. Prune hydrangeas about the middle of April is a, is a really good time. Feed them at that time of year. And then that's the, a great time to put on the hydrangea colourant, which is a little tub of crystals that you buy. You simply place them around the base of the hydrangea and it'll turn pink hydrangeas red or red hydrangeas blue depending on how much you put on or pink hydrangeas blue if you put enough of the um, treatment on okay so it just it just colors it brings that richness into the flower uh, so it, it's a great way of, of changing the lighter colored hydrangeas to a darker deep scarlet red or purple uh, or blue in color you might have a colour scheme going on in the garden. You could have. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Well, that's what you can do. You get yeah. some of your hydrangeas pink and some of them blue well, simply yeah. by using the crystals. Yeah, okay. I'm just thinking, I'm not that organised myself, but some, some, some of them, the more accomplished gardeners might. Well, there's plenty no. of time to do it. You have another three, four weeks to put on the crystals, so there's absolutely plenty of time. Great. Here's an interesting question, and this is something that we see more and more of, I think, in supermarkets all the time. Sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, how do you grow sweet potatoes? Well, they're, they're Are they unusual. like the other ones? Ones? They're actually, regular ones? They're not really related to the uh, to the regular potato. They probably are, are a distant cousin somewhere. Right. They're in the Ipomy family. Um, Explain, please. Morning Glory. You, you know Morning Glory. What's the song about Morning Glory? Morning Glory is, is one of these climbing plants. Oh, it's yes. in the uh, convolvulus family, believe it or not. You know the, the, the bindweed that we often get plenty of calls in the summertime with the, uh-huh. the one that scrambles up yeah, through plants? Yeah. Well, sweet potato is in that family. family. It's a vine. Okay. Uh, and oh. so it's, it's so if you're growing it, so the first thing with them, they're frost sensitive. So you need really in this part of the country to grow them in a tunnel, a large greenhouse, somewhere that, that's protected or a very, very sunny, sheltered part of the garden. Mm. You buy them in the supermarket. So the sweet potato you buy in the shops is perfectly uh, okay to grow. Now, I would advise looking for one of the organic ones because sometimes sweet potatoes, like common potatoes, are sprayed to stop them from sprouting. Right. So... Look for an organic sweet potato, put it on a bright windowsill, let it sprout like you would a traditional potato, get the young sprouts start. Okay. So, so it'll produce little sprouts. When you see the sprouts, it'll take about three or four weeks for that to happen. Yeah. You can then cut the shoot and the tuber. So from the one sweet potato, you can make four or five tubers, All right. which then you can plant. Now, I, if I was growing them, I would grow them in pots, in a glass house or in a tunnel because really the temperatures that we get during the summer, you'd want a really, really warm summer to get anything productive. Okay. So my advice really is to sprout them indoors. So buy yourself an organic sweet potato, allow it to sprout. It's going to take three or four weeks in a warm windowsill. You can actually sit it in a little tray of water as well and that'll help it to accelerate the new shoots. And then once they shoot, you split them Plant them up then into regular compost, a good rich compost. So maybe add a little bit of um, bagged farm manure through mm. the your, your uh, or the original compost, and uh, it'll produce sprouts. And it'll actually need a climbing frame because it grows like convolvulus very very fast. Uh, anything up to two or three metres in height. Mm-hmm. So you need something to trail it on. And then in the autumn, it produces the tubers. So it's a tuber that we eat. It's the tuber yeah. that you're actually eating and that produces the vine. And those swollen tubers then can be harvested uh, around September, October. Allow them to dry. You dry them like onions. So mm. you take them out of the compost and you allow the sun to get at them. And until they're really, really dry, they can, they'll store then through the winter and you can use them. You can roast them or bake them or... How interesting. So really the, the vine aspect of it is where it, it gets its nourishment and nutrition exactly. from and it sends it back down into the root. Down into, it produces a tuberous, oh. tuberous root and that's essentially what we oh. eat. 
Okay, so that's yeah. your sweet potatoes. I thought it might have been maybe from the Look parsnip at, family or something. No, they're like a novelty that. item. Yeah. A novelty item. So you're not going to get a huge amount of for the amount of effort and work that's going to go into yeah. them. You're certainly going to. It's going to take up probably a quarter of your greenhouse or your polytunnel because it is quite a vigorous plant and it needs training. It will grow like a grapevine up long. But for a bit of novelty, a bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, and you will get. You get some tubers, certainly by yeah. the autumn of this year. You can make sweet potato pie. You sure can. <laughs> I have sure a can. I have a friend from the States and she, bars, she makes sweet potato pie at Thanksgiving. Um, okay, now there's a lovely deep purple trailing plant after coming into flower pouring and rockeries and beds. The listener is wondering, what is it and is it easy to grow? That's Aubretia. Um It's probably, probably one of the few flowers that actually have, have popped their head out this spring with the cold weather. Um, Aubretia is a very, very easy plant to grow. It's a perennial, which means it flowers every year. It's nice, uh, say, for draping on walls or rockeries or for covering areas. So it kind of, the stems creep down and uh, it produces its blue fl- flower normally from about the first week or second week of March onwards. Um, so that's Aubretia. You can plant it at this time of year. Um, it will come into flower and will flower every year after that. If you want to sow it from seed, you sow it in the middle of the summer to flower the following oh, yeah. year. Okay. So that's Aubretia, quite a nice little plant. There's lots of those little rockery plants just coming into flower and they tend to deal a lot better with the colder sort of weather. They love this sort of weather, this dry, cold, crisp weather. Okay. Uh, Aubretia really loves that. Now here's a big uh, bit of a question regarding rhubarb. Yes. Uh, so bear with me for a moment till I get through this. Um, somebody planted rhubarb for the past two or three years but it died every time. Poor soil. They now bought three potted rhubarb plants. Can they grow them inside the bigger pots or is it better to leave them outside? Also, is it safe to eat rhubarb in its first year? This listener remembers that years ago, the older generation saying not to eat it until the second year. Right. Answer, and, please. And, and very good advice. Very good. <laughs> oh, very really? good. Well, well, let me just explain. Okay. So, <clears throat> first of all, rhubarb needs extremely good soil. Well, it needs very rich soil because think about what you're eating. You're harvesting the stems and the leaves of the plant. So for it to do very well, you need really good, rich soil. So my advice really is to get some organic matter, some farmer manure, some horse manure, some cattle manure, that type of material, mushroom compost if you can get it, or get yourself a couple of bags of really good, rich farmer manure compost, which you can buy now in garden centres. Dig that into the soil and really it, it really benefits or, 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 or will stand to you if you prepare the soil extremely well. So I would add in a lot of organic matter where possible. I'd plant the rhubarb out of doors. They don't do well inside uh, in a tunnel or greenhouse. It's just too soft for them. Better plant it out of doors. Um, the, 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 the trick with the every year then you allow for the first and second year, you should allow the rhubarb to grow die back naturally and what you're really allowing the plant to do is to build up, build up some strength and some vigour um, because if you harvest it in its first and second year then you tend to rob the plant of its energy and you end up with small thin wizen rhubarb sticks. So every winter put a, an, a, apply an application of again farmer manure or seaweed compost or good garden compost. If you make your own garden compost that's absolutely ideal. So around October as the rhubarb is dying back you cover it with maybe a 6 or 8 inch layer of organic matter and let that rot in over the winter. If you do that for two seasons you'll mm-hmm. have superb rhubarb. Rhubarb that will last forever really because it is uh, a perennial plant that can last 50, 60 years comfortably. Um, so the, the variety I would go for is one called Timberly Early okay. which is a very early variety. It's got to knock back a little bit this winter or this spring with the, with the cold weather. Normally you'd be picking Timberly Early at this time of year in March coming up to St. Patrick's weekend and, and after. So it's a really, really early variety. Quite a, a good one to grow. So really look at 
it's soil conditions in this case. Rhubarb will not do if the soil is hungry, if it's poor, if it's too wet or too heavy. So by adding plenty of organic matter, you lighten that and you make the ideal conditions. And if you put the effort in for the first year or two, you, you'll have superb rhubarb after that. Remember to stop picking rhubarb around the first week or second week of July because you need to give it time to start to grow back and, and, and build itself up for the following year. And generally people harvest it too long. Right. So you end up with wizen, thin with little shoots. Okay, um, you're so kind of overproducing it there. Yeah, you want to give the plant an opportunity to, to, to grow through the late summer, autumn period to build itself up to, so that it's got the energy for next spring. Lovely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. It's 22 minutes past nine. Uh, loads of questions to come, so stay with us. Now you're very welcome back. We're just <laughs> reading through the questions and weren't listening to the ad break. You were nearly caught there, I was nearly caught, but not quite, I hope. Uh, right, Park, let's see, where are we going back here at all? Okay, we've talked about rhubarbs. Um, a rhubarb, rather, I presume, is the plural for rhubarb. Uh, hedges, what type is of is good for a seaside location? This person is in a windy location, lots of salt in the air, they'd like something hardy. Okay, well, probably the best the best um, seaside hedge is Iliagnus Ebengii, which is a silver-leafed evergreen hedging plant. It'll grow six, seven, eight feet in height, if you allow it. Um, it retains its foliage all year round. Very tough, kind of glossy uh, green leaves, so the soil doesn't stick to it. And it makes a really good solid hedge. So that's the one I'd put in, Iliagnus ebengii. Um, good, tough, solid hedge. Um, a good time to plant it as well. It's got the whole growing season now to look forward to before next winter. So that's the one to go for, Iliagnus ebengii. Good silver-leafed Seaside hedge, yeah. Okay, great. Now, somebody um, knew an old gardener when they were growing up who grew very early vegetables. Great, yeah. And what they recall correctly, or if they recall correctly, he called a hot bed system. He didn't have a tunnel or a glass house and the listener is wondering, can you explain the system this gardener was using and that it was very effective at the Sounds time? Sounds interesting, doesn't it? It does. A What's bed? a hotbed system? <laughs> Tell me more. Well, a hotbed, what, what they're referring to is years ago, I suppose, but before we had the luxury of greenhouses yes. and tunnels and, and uh, you know, heating, artificial heating, there was a system used by gardeners which um, used basically organic matter, rotting compost gives off. If you put your hand into a compost Eesh. heap, yeah. it'll burn the hand of you because as as the uh, the organisms and the bacteria are breaking down any organic matter, they're, they're releasing, releasing heat, right? Yeah. So effectively, that's what they use. They got organic matter. It could be cattle manure, it could be garden compost, right. leaves and so on. Put them into a bed system yeah. and as the compost and as the, the uh, organic matter was decomposing, it released a heat. Mm-hmm. So the top of the bed then was covered with soil and onto that you would have planted. So for example, ex- asparagus was one that was used or uh, early vegetables, uh, cucumbers, tomato beds. They would, they would often use a hotbed yeah. system to generate that heat to get accelerated growth and, and to help keep the temperatures that little bit warmer mm-hmm. around the plants. So a very simple way of doing it. Now, we've moved on slightly. We have. And you can get a thing called... Sounds like a lot of hard work to me, but anyway. (laughs) It was a very effective way, I suppose, of getting vegetables. And because of the organic matter as well, there was lots of nutrition Nutrition, there as well. So as the compost was breaking down, that nutrition was being released. So Mm. plants were actually... uh, So it it would be a terrific way to say to grow very, very vigorous plants like pumpkins would grow very well if you do that hot pit system from April onwards. Pumpkins are frost sensitive so you can't plant them out until May but if you've got the bed prepared now out of doors uh, with organic matter the heat would start to be generated you'd have lots of nutrition there and plant your pumpkins then in April 
or late April, early May. Right. And they will really, really benefit and flourish in that type of condition. But if you've got a greenhouse in tunnel and you want to create that bottom heat, mm. uh, it was also a great way, the hotbed system was often used for germinating seeds. So that sit the seed trays on top of the bed and the, again, the heat released would germinate the seeds earlier. We've moved on slightly and <laughs> you can buy soil cables now, oh, heated right, so cables that will actually, uh, you can use on a bench system yeah. to, to help germinate or bring on plants earlier if you wish. Um, so <clears throat> the hotbed, the hotbed, yeah, really good old traditional way and it could be still used certainly for more vigorous, more tender plants um, like pumpkins and melons, tomatoes, cucumbers and so plants like that or to germinate seed. But you can also get the little seed or, uh, heated cables right. as well if people have greenhouses and tunnels and that's a great way of bringing on seeds early. Well, it would be a great um, little challenge, I suppose, for somebody who is a keen gardener yeah. and, you know, who kind of gets a kick out of the experimentation Absolutely. side of it um, to see how well it would work for them. Or if um, you had your own compost heap yeah. and it was just sitting there, yeah. it would be a great way of putting use it, of it exactly. make use of it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And would you have to, but then each year, presumably, you'd have to re- replace have to your... Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. because the, the yeah. organic matter would have broken down. within. It, it'll last, it'll create the heat for about a six or eight week period. That kind of so early, right. you know, yeah. February, March, that kind of early season, it gives you that okay. artificial heat, I suppose, or that great. natural yeah. heat, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's great when you think about how the mind was working and that this would, you know, that this would bring on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, With gardeners, the, the plants, I suppose, yeah. years ago, were looking yeah. for to be one ahead of one another. Well, that's just it. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, very interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of a hotbed system. Thank you for the question, uh, caller. Um, now, tulips, Porig, somebody's tulips um, die out after a few years. What varieties would be good for long well, term? That would be very typical of tulips. I mean, they're not long lived like daffodils. They're not really in the same league at all. Tulips, right. you Generally speaking, you're better off buying them, planting them. You'll get probably two seasons out of them. And really, if you get any longer than that, it's, it's an added bonus. So okay. don't, don't see them like snowdrops uh, or, or daffodils as a long-term bulb option. They're really there to give a, a, a splash of colour in the springtime and to be replaced over certainly one or two years. Some of the hardier varieties like the apple darn apple dorn uh, varieties. They're a tall, more vigorous tulip. You'll certainly get three and four years from them. But tulips, just by their nature, tend not to be a long-lived bulb. And uh, I would see them really as a, as a short-term, one to two seasons after that. You're better off replacing them, putting in fresh bulbs. Lovely. Now, somebody's wondering, what do you put on the lawn football pitch? The moss is removed. How to treat it oh, right, when right. we have so the moss, the moss gone? gone. Yeah. And really want to just green it up. Well, mm. you put it, use a straight um, spring and summer Fertilizer. What you want really is something that's slow released. If you put on agricultural fertilizer, ten ten twenty or eight eight sixty mm. or something like that, you'll get a very rapid, quick response and a lot of mowing. And and a really, it it actually stretches the grass as well. So you're better with a slow released lawn fertilizer. So straight feed, spring and summer feed. It's sold as da- as that. Um, generally, the bags cover about seven hundred square meters, so they cover quite a big area. Um, so you need a couple of bags. To, to, to do that that size of a, a football, football pitch yeah. and um, put it on this time of year would be ideal to get it on this dry weather Perfect. it's green within about a three week two to three week period okay, so yeah. without forcing the grass okay most important um, now somebody um, cut back their roses last weekend okay. they gave them a good cutting back they right. tell us so now they're wondering do they need to spray them or feed them yet well, certainly the feeding, you could certainly start the feeding. Spraying isn't necessary until the roses produce new growth. And again, with the lower temperatures, they, not, within a week, nothing has happened. They'll look the same as they did last weekend. So by all means, give them a, a, a dressing of fertiliser. The other thing you could do to prevent weeds 
coming up mm. is to tr- treat the bed with premazer. So if you want a weed-free rose bed for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and again, this sort of weather would be ideal to get it on, make up some of the premazer spray, apply that. You can spray it quite safely over the rose bushes onto the soil and that stops any weed growth then for the rest of the summer right through to the end of the year and particularly with roses that can be quite difficult to keep weed free Um, so that's the first thing I would do and the second thing then is yes by all means put on a rose fertiliser good handful to each handful maybe handful and a half to each bush and that's really it don't you start the spraying for another two to three weeks anyway there's no need the end of April really will be soon enough now we've two questions in a row about sweet peas, Porek. Sweet um, peas, yeah. yeah so uh, I'll try and just get these combined together. Um, somebody would like to grow the old-fashioned scented sweet peas as cut flowers. Any tips, please, on how to grow them and when to plant them from seed? And somebody else says their mother used to grow lovely sweet peas for cutting. Can you tell them how to grow them? Okay. Well, yeah, go back to your hotbed system. Sweet peas love uh, heat. They love heat and they love organic matter. So the best way to grow sweet peas, the plants are available at this time of year. They are frost hardy, so you can plant them out of doors. Mm. It's a bit late for sowing seed or certainly if you sow them from seed, um, you wouldn't have flowers till August, September of this year. So if you want nice blooms, say July, August, um, late June, July, August sort of period, get yourself some plants now. Dig a trench. Put in some rotten manure into the base of the trench or some some uh, mushroom compost. Mm-hmm. So put in a good foot, a foot layer of uh, organic matter into the trench and mould up the, the trench. So you, you end up with like a ridge with the organic matter with, with six or eight inches of soil and all the organic matter then underneath that. And simply plant the sweet pea about a foot to 18 inches apart. Do put down a little bit of slug control because the slugs do relish sweet peas and they're vulnerable for the first couple of weeks. Once they get up a foot, 18 inches in height, it's it's less damaging. But certainly for the first couple of weeks, do keep an eye on the slugs. Put down some of the organic pellets or some treatments to keep the slugs at bay. And that's really it. Mm. Just give them a um, a bit of support. They're going to need some old chicken wire or some wire, something that the little tendrils can wrap onto. And uh, feed them occasionally then from about the end of April, early May, I would feed them once a week with a high potash feed. Now, the other tip is, as the sweet pea is growing, mm-hmm. take out, pinch out the central shoot. So when it's about six or eight inches high, get your thumb and finger and literally take out the top shoot. What that encourages is side branching and sweet sweet peas produce their flowers on the side branches. So the more side branches you can encourage, Mm -hmm. the more flowers you get from them. So six or eight inches high, Mm -hmm. take out the top shoot. That'll encourage them to branch and then let them scramble. You can pinch them again during the summer to get them to branch, rebranch again. When they do come into flower, the other trick is to make sure that you cut the flowers on a very regular basis. So once a week, go out and remove all the cut flowers. And that encourages the plant to, to continue produce. If you allow them to go to seed, then their job is finished. Right. So continually cut the flowers. And you, you'll have sweet pea flowers from the end of June, early July, right through until September, often into October, if you... If you yeah. follow those simple tips. So and they're they, really easy to grow. And they're so pretty then they're as well. They're absolutely so, fine. And yeah. some of the varieties, the Spencer varieties, for example, are highly scented. Beautiful scent off them as well. And they've got that long stem. So they're absolutely ideal yeah. for cutting, for okay. churches, for whatever. Indeed, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I suppose altar societies and, and groups sort of like that. Uh, apart from just your yeah. own so home So it's a good well. time. Good time to get sweet pea in the garden. But the organic matter you'll find, nothing works better than some um, organic matter okay. in the base of it. 
or no. old compost if you've got compost that's rotting in the garden somewhere that, anything like that, that like kind from of a compost, rich, compost uh, heap or yeah, from perfect. your compost bin perhaps correct exactly any of that sort of material is ideal okay. as long as it's decomposed and it's ready to go lovely stuff now somebody sowed tomatoes and marigold three okay. weeks ago and there's still no sign of them appearing they're oh. wondering what might be wrong they never have much luck with marigolds Tommy uh, thank I'm you for your question I'm surprised Tommy marigolds to be honest yeah the, usually the little French marigolds yeah. they're you know they're so easy to grow they're quite a big seed so they're actually great for children as well to sow because they're very visible and very easy to sow right what I would do Tommy is this get yourself a seed tray Make sure the compost isn't too wet. So when you squeeze the compost, you'll just about squeeze maybe a drop of moisture. Mm. So the compost shouldn't be too moist, but at the same time, it needs to have a certain level of moisture. So fill the tray with reasonably moist compost. Sow the marigold seed. Again, put some compost over the top of them and then cover with a cling film. A little bit of cling film. Sit them on a windowsill. They should germinate within a week. Within a week. So if you've got a windowsill with a little radiator underneath it or mm-hmm. just a nice, bright, warm windowsill, then within a week, those seeds will germinate um, whip off the, the cling film allow them to grow on now f- marigolds are, are frost sensitive so don't put them out of doors nor don't sow the seed out of doors either okay. they need to be sown indoors in a bright warm uh, preferably you know temperatures above 12-15 degrees so a nice warm sitting room would be ideal conservatory warm windowsill somewhere and uh, they are actually very easy to grow so I would encourage them to try it again the other marigold is the English marigold the yes. calendula uh, the old English are pot marigold, which produces nice big orange flowers mid-June, July, that sort of period. The seed of it can be actually sown out of doors. So look for that one. It's one called calendula or calendula, pot marigold, English marigold it's often called. Okay. <laughs> and the seed of it can be, it's more a kind of a smaller gnarled seed, but you can sow that directly out of doors. Okay. And that will germinate out of doors and grow on. Again, just keep an eye on the slugs when the seeds germinate initially. So French and African marigolds need to be sown indoors and given frost protection. The English marigold or calendula can be sown directly out of doors. Will germinate in about a a month. It takes about four weeks to germinate and uh, you'll have colour from it then right through the summer period. Okay. The calendula, they often use the flowers, you know, to decorate salads and it's a really, you know, it's got that uh, saffron Saffron, is that the Saffron, word? Saffron, yeah? the yellowy. The real orange colour. Yes. It's got that really rich orange orange colour. And I think it has been used as a, it's often used as a... Uh, Do you put it in your own salads? I don't. <laughs> but it's often used as a as a substitute to saffron. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. Because saffron is very expensive. There you go. Yes, okay. <laughs> There's one for you. The, the poor man's <laughs> version of saffron. <laughs> okay. One more question and we're going to take a quick break. What, what is the latest you can sow white thorn pork? Well, you can sow whitethorn until it, until really the bud is beginning to break. And like I said at the top of the programme, uh, one of the advantages of the very cold weather is that whitethorn is very dormant at the moment. So if you've got plants of it, get them into the ground. Or if you need, you know, look locally, it, it's probably getting a bit late to try and source the plants. A lot of the garden centres will have sold out at this time of year. But if you can get your hands on some whitethorn, you can still plant them for the next week or 10 days comfortably. OK. Uh, right. Quick break. and yep. back with more after these. 
now all sorts of information coming in at us park um, might just talk I know we were talking about the Osmo there before I forget yeah. this uh, and somebody actually has made a very good point and well, I sure. did have to uh, question this myself when I was applying it they bought the two bags of Osmo um, but they don't know which bag is which well one bag is Osmo and one bag is the, the lime, lime. Yes. so um, it isn't actually in English and the colour is dead well the ones I got too were similar um, and I, I'm not actually sure what uh, language they were and I thought they might have been Dutch now but it was only just How did gone. you figure it out? Well I figured it out <laughs> uh, not because I speak whatever language was on the uh, on the on the bag um, because it was something I hadn't really come across before but I looked at the pictures right? <laughs> and by default I figured that the one with the picture of the soccer picture I think or no it was golf it was greens That's the one There was golfing greens yeah. yeah I said that must be for the actual that must be for the moss the yeah. other one must be the well, lime Well it is a Belgian product Right It's all the way from Belgium right. to us so Flemish or something, I don't Flemish know. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, having the first thing I'd say is, well, just to explain the the lime you put on first, which is the smaller bag. It's a smaller, heavy, really heavy bag that goes on week one, right? And then you follow up with the with the pro yeah. Osmo moss remover, which again is the orange bag with, with as you say, with the golf yeah. picture on. And it. the lime one is kind of pale color, grey, and the other one is kind of brown. That's yeah, it's kind of an <laughs> orangey brown color, so, yeah. and, the, and the lime is a bluey color. Now the fact sheet is available. Remember on our website, so on GardenCentre.ie, if you click on to GardenCentre.ie, uh, the fact sheet for the Osmo is on the very front page of the of the website. So do click on that right down on the left hand side. I have written that, and it gives the full instructions of how to use the product um, so or if you want to ring the garden centre 094 30 our fact sheet is available and we'd send it out to you as well on the Osmo just in case there's any confusion with it so the small bag is the lime the larger bag is the is the actual is Osmo the remover the one with the, the picture the of the, the golfing green on it yeah put on the lime first ideally for, for a week and then follow with your Osmo and you'll get terrific results great okay hopefully that's answered that question yeah I have to say you weren't the only person that was confused caller uh, I was a little confused mm. too um, now how many inches of soil does one need in a raised bed to plant potatoes well you, you need a minimum of uh, 8 to 12 I would go for 12 inches if possible now remember when you're when you're sowing the potatoes you're going to be moulding up you're going to be creating a ridge so from 12 inches of soil you'll able to be able to create actually about 15 inches of actual uh, soil around the potato so go for a minimum of 12 inches do prepare the soil well add in some organic matter again um, and because potatoes are hungry they need a good rich soil so mm. some organic matter and then use um, a granulated feed like Vitex Q4 will work very well on potatoes but go for 12 inches Okay. Um, what's the best feed for lupins? Um, well, again, a good high potash feed and lupins are coming back. I think we talked about them actually mm-hmm. last week on the programme. They're coming back into vogue. And um, Remember that they are a herbaceous plant. They grow from nothing up to nearly four or five feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good potash, actually a rose fertiliser would be very good. Or a good fertiliser, one that we use actually for vegetables is Vitex Q4 would be very good for lupins as well. So a good handful of either around the base of the lupin now, repeat it then about the end of April and uh, you'd have superb lupins for the rest of the summer. Do keep an eye on the slugs as well, particularly this time of year. Um, as Once we get back into the wet weather, that's one, you know, the slugs dislike this cold, dry weather. They find it very difficult to get around. Good. But once we get back into that moist weather, then you're going to see an abundance of slugs coming back yeah. on plants and particularly when the new growth starts. Right, they'll be hungry. Absolutely. And, yeah. and once that bit, So do keep an eye, particularly on tender plants um, and young plants at this time of year in particular. 
Lovely. What's um, the, somebody uh, cleaned out their gl- glass house last week after okay, uh, some advice that uh, you gave them? Right. And um, they're wondering what's the smoke treatment they can use now to clear off the pests. Uh, it's a it's a little um, smoke bomb called Fogget P Fumer. Um, and it's simply a small canister. You simply light the top of the fuse, sit it in the middle of the greenhouse or tunnel, and the vapour that's uh, that comes off the canister gets into the cracks and crevices and will eliminate any aphids, any overwintering pests that might be in the greenhouse. So it's a good way, I suppose, of getting your greenhouse off to a good start. So it's a small little tub called fog. Or ask in the garden centres for the little smoke bombs. They'll know what you're talking about. The small little canister, you simply light the top of the paper, close up the doors, walk away from it two hours later, just open up the windows and the door and anything that has been in the in the greenhouse will be controlled. Lovely. Uh, somebody, a caller, set potatoes and vegetables on St. Patrick's weekend. Okay. Are they ruined with the frost? Not at all. No, no, no. Remember, if you're, if you're putting the potato, remember what I said about the frost, it's only going to penetrate about an inch into the soil. The tubers of potatoes will be perfectly okay. I mean, you'll have to cover them at least by six or eight inches of soil. So they're down there nestled uh, in the soil. Obviously, the soil temperatures have been very cold, so they're not going to be actively growing. So don't worry about them. They'll be perfectly okay. Um, really, with potatoes, it's, it's, it's more important to keep an eye on frost when they actually break the soil surface. That's when the foliage is more sensitive and that's when to cover them. So if we got late frost, say in April, then you would uh, just cover the tops of the potatoes. But at this time of year, don't worry at all, they'll be perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, I know we're talking about moss and the Osmo a little bit now today, but somebody just has another good question. How soon after putting on the moss treatment can you cut the grass? Well, you can cut it within... Uh, well, but I would do it the other way around, preferably. And, I, and, and Yeah, I'd cut the lawn first, then apply the lime, and then apply the Osmo. The reason I'd say that is that again with the very dry weather the osmos the granules are tending to sit there uh, until we get a little bit of moisture or heavy dew at night time and when you're going over with the lawnmower you're blowing the granules around right. so ideally cut the lawn first um, now if you've gone and put the, the fertiliser on the osmo then leave it another week or so the grass isn't going to be growing yeah. over the next week or 10 days so leave it till next weekend and uh, the osmo will have worked its way in by then lovely Somebody has a shaded spot under some birch trees and they're wondering what flowers would grow in shade, but would flower now? Mm, at this time of year. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple. I would go for um, Mimulus, which is lovely at the moment. There's a lovely one called Highland uh, Highland Orange, which is a bright Mimulus that's actually... Mimulus, what, what's, no, that's Mimulus a, is a... Is a it's, it's often called the, the monkey flower. Okay. or the Nice kind of uh, delicate flower, quite large. Yeah. Flowers early. They're just coming into flower at the moment. Beautiful, bright orange colour, but they do very well in... Um, shady areas, is in, it? In, in shaded areas, right. yeah. You know, quite a good plant. That would be quite nice. Mm. Um, it would be quite colourful. It would be very bright at this time of year. Uh, primulas, the little primulas flowers. Yes. Again, um, a nice one called Inish Free, which okay. is um, has nice red flowers with a, a yellow centre. Um, that's quite a good one. Drum Cliff is another good variety. It's white, again, with a yellow centre and quite dark foliage on both of those primulas mm. and they're just beginning to flower they're now. They're all Irish varieties. They I are indeed. Gather, they're, are they? they're actually bred here names, in Ireland. Yeah. yeah, Lovely dark foliage. Um, Inish Free has a really bright red flower with a yellow centre so it's a lovely contrast and uh, Drum Cliff then is, is, a, is a whiter flower with a, with a again with a kind of a yellow centre and dark mm. foliage. Some of the Campanulas are in flower at the moment as well which would be quite nice. The little blue Campanulas will give a nice bit of colour. So for me the primulas are excellent at the moment. Very good. And there's a whole range of different varieties available in those. Um, the Mimulus would be nice with the, the blue flower um, and the little blue companion would give a nice colour this time of year. And they'd all do well 
under a shaded tree. Okay. Uh, now, somebody's wondering, what did you mean by splitting dahlias in last week's programme? They have dahlias in pots on the window with four shoots. What oh, did great. they do next? Okay, well, quite simply, remember the dahlias grown from a tuber, a bit like our sweet potato we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So it's the same principle. Um, the, the dahlias have obviously reacted to the good weather. Now is the time to be potting them up indoors. And because you've got four shoots on it, in theory, you can actually make four pl- separate plants. So knock it out of the pot now delicately or carefully get yourself a sharp knife and take one of those shoots and a piece of tuber together now if if uh, so from the four shoots you can actually make four new dahlias you simply take the shoot and the tuber and pot those up into separate pots into four separate pots and you've got yourself four new plants Thanks. so that's what we mean it's like splitting potatoes or spli- splitting the sweet potato mm. Dahlias can be done exactly the same way and that's one of the great benefits of starting them off indoors is that you get the shoots to start uh, growing and then with a very sharp knife you can split that dahlia as many times as you, as long as you take a shoot and a piece of tuber together okay. and simply just pot them back up again leave them on the windowsill when they're about four or five inches high I pinch the tops out of them as well a bit like I mentioned with the sweet pea right. just take the very top inch off the top of the plant and that encourages plenty of side branches a nice a nicer fuller plant. Okay. Now somebody set carrots last year and they used farmyard manure poric but the carrots were no size and they're wondering would you have any idea why this might have happened? Have a guess. Because uh, I don't know what's the answer to that question. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're honest anyway. That's why you are sitting there and I'm sitting here. What if I said that? <laughs> okay, well, well, then we'd have to put on a song. The answer is in the question. The answer is in the question. It's they farm use farm manure. manure. You don't use farm right. manure with, with carrots. Um, think about what you're growing. You're growing the root of a plant. Okay. Carrots, when they're very uh, young, when they germinate from seed, the roots are very sensitive to any sort of scorching. So you grow carrots in ground that was manured the previous year. So, for example, you, what I mentioned about the potatoes. Potatoes love lots of manure you can't over manure them yeah so that's where you grow the carrots the following year so in ground that has been has been used and grown has grown something else so it could be cabbage it could be potatoes uh, a good vigorous crop that has been manured well so for carrots you use just a, a small bit of granulated feed like the vitex q4 would be ideal rake that into the soil before sowing them so carrots won't grow or, or they find it the root basically gets scorched right. and you end up with a stunted or forked carrot where you have farm manure used so okay. leave the farm manure to the, the spuds right. and the and the and the more vigorous plants the rhubarb the uh, leafy crops like brussels sprouts cabbage and so on love that sort of environment root crops like parsnips um carrots dislike that too much fresh farmer manure or even well rot farm manure it, it's better the following year okay so, it so, so, so it's nothing you did wrong. you just you know yeah just leave the manure out and you'll have to terrific carrots. St. Valerie is a lovely variety, a very good one to grow. Uh, or early Nantes. Nice and sweet? Yeah, it's quite a good one. It's a late variety. You, you dig it late in, in the summer. Early Nantes is a, is a nice early variety. It's too cold to sow carrots at the moment anyway. Okay. So don't be don't be tempted to leave them for another two weeks. Right, until this... They won't germinate this sort of weather. Until the snap is, it yeah, has passed us yeah, by and yeah. we, we are anticipating... They do need warm weather. Warmer warm climbs weather. Come, yeah. 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 Um, somebody's looking for, I'm not quite sure what this means now, but you might be able to throw some light on it. Tips on sprouting onions. Well, I mean, onions, the, the, to sprout them, uh, you can sow onions just, two, just, two it, basically, two different ways. Oh, right. One from seed. Yeah. And I, you could sow the seed indoors this time of year. You can sow the seed directly out of doors as well, but again, it's a bit chilly at the moment. So you can certainly sow them indoors in a greenhouse on a windowsill 
transplant them out then in a couple of weeks' time. Or you can sow them from sets or shallots. Now, what I often do is, with a seed tray, fill it with compost, get you a couple of bags of sets and put the sets into the side by side. So within a a standard seed tray, you'll fit anything up to 70 or 80 uh, sets. And uh, they'll root and grow in the seed tray and plant that, plant them out then in three or four weeks' time when, when the growth is about four or five inches high on them. Yeah. So if you want an early start with onions, uh, that's what I would do. If you have a, a tunnel or glass house or a, a cold frame or somewhere nice sheltered warm area, mm. ordinary compost into a seed tray, put in your sets, they'll, they'll grow and uh, sprout there and you can plant them out of doors then. Lovely. Um, can you take up roses and plant them somewhere else at the moment? Yes. Yeah, that's... No, cut them back. Yeah. So dig them up, prune them back then and replant them. Even prune a little bit of the root as well. Just tidy back the root a little bit. Make sure you um, replant them at the same depth into the soil and prepare the soil well again. Just don't shove them down. Put in a bit of compost when you're planting them. Firm them in well. Give them a good pruning back and yeah... You have lovely roses fine. this summer. Lovely. Um, potatoes can be sown at the moment, isn't that what we've been saying? Or yeah, is it? yeah. Again, you know, what, what I would be doing at the moment is really getting the, the soil ready and preparing the soil. And if you have got it ready, then there's no problem putting potatoes in because uh, you can put the, you, the depth that you'll be planting them, they'll be perfectly safe from frost. There's plenty of time, dear. You know, people don't have to rush into it. There's, there was an old saying that you can plant potatoes up until the ash tree is fully in leaf. Right. And that's when normally, is that? Well, that's normally about the middle of May. Right. So, I mean, we've got at least another eight weeks to plant potatoes. And if you okay. plant them even after the ash tree was in leaf, that did it's grow. Still grown, right. So, there's no problem. There's no panic. You know, you st- sprout your potatoes, get them sprouting, get the soil prepared and get it ready. And then, whenever you feel like getting them in over the next six or eight weeks. But I suppose if you're looking for early varieties, it's probably better sooner, sooner rather well, than later. Or yeah, yeah. Early. But having said that, I mean the, the growth has has stopped. Has stopped. You're so not it really. Make, yeah. It's not, you know the, the spuds that might have been planted on St Patrick's Day are sitting there right. waiting for, for the, a bit the of soil heat. to warm up. Yeah. So you're not going to actually lose a whole lot. Okay. They'll catch up. You know the the uh, the late planting them later. They'll actually catch up on the early varieties. Okay. Uh, somebody has their housework done and they're off to the garden. Wow! And it's Fantastic. only five to ten. Uh, is it too late to plant spring bulbs that they just found? They've already sprouted in the bag. Well, it depends what bulbs they are, but if they're right. tulips and daffodils <laughs> and and so on. And I, I think I think I did say to you a couple of weeks yeah. back that. 50% or whatever of bulbs That's right. I've never, never planted. Make, never make it But anyway, look at, no, I mean, what I would say to you is plant them out. You've nothing to lose. Uh, generally, what you'll find is the little flower embryos, say on daftals, will have withered. So they're not going to come into flower, but they will grow. So I would, you know, put them out in the garden somewhere, stick them in and uh, keep your fingers crossed. Right. Here's you have a, nothing to lose. Here's a good one. Uh, somebody has a gristalinia hedge which survived the snow Fantastic. two years ago. Fantastic. But it looks horrible, they say. All it's right. about two and a half feet high. It has no leaves. Now, there's a small amount of new leaves. What is there anything they can do to get it going again? Yes, uh, by all means. You can cut it back to where you see that new growth. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that it's there, it should be It should be in leaf. It should be, there should be some healthy growth on it. But, We'll take it that there's new growth starting at the base. So what you do is you cut back right to where that new growth is mm. and then trim the top of the new growth just ever so slightly with a secateurs or a sharp shears. Just take an inch or two off. And the reason you do that is to get the gristlinia to, to branch, to regrow and rebranch. You do need to feed it. So you need a good granulated feed. Actually, Osmo do one uh, called Pro 6, Osmo Pro 6, which is very good granulated feed for trees and shrubs mm-hmm. and hedging plants in particular. And that will, that will bring it back into growth again. 
that okay. will, you know, I would I would guess that, uh, you know, even though it's still alive, there has been a lot of damage on it and probably a lot of root damage on it. So that's, you know, it would indicate why it's kind of struggling and yeah. not looking as good as it should do. Um, but funny enough, you know, as you know, we opened a new garden centre in Wicklow. Yes. Uh, last week and uh, right around Wicklow particularly on the high, higher ground there's lots of Grisselinia still alive right. and I was out around Roundstone recently um, took a spin out around there and there's still Grisselinia hedges right close to the seaside so they so actually have survived in particularly in higher altitude areas because right. the, the frost sank as you know you know into the lower yes. areas We, but also in, in really extreme uh, more sheltered seaside areas that okay. it has survived maybe, in areas maybe they, as well. they got different kinds of doing two years ago in comparison to was yeah, Eastern, well, the Eastern Seaboard traditionally would be that little bit warmer then perhaps it would but also the fact that, that um, it was elevated right. you were up a couple of hundred oh, okay. so feet it above sea had the, the frost actually had sank lower yeah. oh interesting yeah. yeah and you know you can get a little microclimate you know where one neighbour loses a yes. plant and just because you've got slightly different microclimate again it can, and a degree or two makes all the difference. Anyway, I'm digressing. Yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time. Maybe just one one more quickie yeah. before we finish. Is it okay to put mushroom compost on the ground around beach hedge to bring it on a little faster? Yeah, well, remember, beach doesn't come into leaf until the first week of May. Right, the wonder person is wondering. It doesn't seem to be very healthy. Oh, looking, yeah, no, so no, no, no. no. Beach, game, really. beach looks withered and mm. that's, that's what I love about it. it. It doesn't come into leaf until May. So, you, by all means, put a little bit of the mushroom compost around the base, which you'll do no harm whatsoever but there's going to be no growth or no visible growth until the first the the end of April the first week of May with beach uh, so don't panic sit back wait okay. for it to come into leaf Right there's uh, one or two more there and we'll hang on to those and we'll address Can them Can I just mention something? Oh yes please Because always, we're, people often, often forget that Horkins are open actually on Sunday we were open right through Easter. And Bank Holiday Monday. And I know many, many stores uh, close on an Easter Sunday, but yeah. we are open. All our stores are open uh, 12 to 6 tomorrow and right through. And Bank Holiday Monday as well from from 9.30 to 6. So we're open right throughout the Easter weekend. Okay. So well, enjoy the garden. Hopefully, after all that advice, you'll be very busy. Yeah. And remember the <laughs> website, gardencentre.ie. The Osmo leaflet is there and there's lots of other good advice there at the moment. Lovely stuff, Porik. Thanks, Thanks very much. Girl. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. And thank you for listening and all your questions as well. We'll be doing it all over again next Saturday just after nine. It's coming up towards 10 News with Angelina Nugent on the way and then it's Michael Neary taking you through the rest of the morning here on Midwest. Good morning to you.